Hola, you're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to live in the middle of a developing tourism town? Sounds great, right? Well, it doesn't come without challenges. Like most people listening, I had a steady job, lots of stress, worked my ass off so I could enjoy vacations. One day, I came to the realization that I needed to embed myself into a vacation permanently, so that's what I did. Now my home is San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua. It's a small town on the Pacific coast with a population of about 15,000 people. I have a small sailboat charter business which pays the bills and leaves a bit left over to cover my habits. And even though we call it paradise, Nicaragua is still a third world country. So picture this, 36-year-old Texas guy and his two trusty Labradors are transplanted into a developing country and they're trying their hardest not to stick out like sore thumbs. These are the stories of what life is like, some good, some bad, but all entertaining. So sit back, relax, and live vicariously through me for about the next 30 or 45 minutes. And I promise you, this stuff can't be made up. Everyone knows this song. It came out in 1989. You probably have sung it many, many times. Listen to it. Little did you know that six years earlier... A song very, very similar came out. Not by the same guys that performed Ghostbusters, but a different guy by the name of Huey Lewis and the News. And the song is called A New Drug. Okay, did you get a good swaller? Now back to Ghostbusters. You see what I mean there? Listen again. Ghostbusters? And now Huey Lewis. Ghostbusters. Huey Lewis in the news. Everyone that knows me knows I'm kind of a music dork. Not that I can play a bunch of instruments and study music, but I'm really good at listening to it. I can play the hell out of a radio. And I like to identify and call out songs that have been sampled and used back and forth. I don't know if that's the case with this one, but they're strikingly similar. And I've always said that one day we're going to run out of music and everything is going to sound copied. I hope we're not there yet, because I like new music. Okay, I know you didn't pay to listen to music, but I thought I'd put that in there. I also needed a time killer. So, hope you enjoyed it. There's probably more to come in the future. I received an email the other day from a listener in Ontario, Canada. And he said he's uh, approaching retirement age, considering moving out either to Colombia or possibly Nicaragua uh, to retire. And there's a lot of people doing that now. There's a lot of guys down here that are retired, and your money just goes so much farther. But a couple of questions he had in regards to where to live um, and the pros and cons. I'm going to try to tackle those. Also, if you 
are listening to this and I've never met you in person or don't know you, I would love for you to shoot me a quick email and just tell me a little bit about yourself because I'm always surprised when I get an email from someone I don't know because I suspected that most people listening are just friends and family. So if you don't mind, just shoot me a quick email. Tell me a little bit about you because I feel like you know a lot about me and it's only fair the road goes both ways. So Nicaragua is basically divided into three large segments. One segment being the Caribbean side, which is Bluefields, Pearl Lagoon, you know, everything from the northern border of Honduras to the southern border of Costa Rica on the east side of the country. So it all borders Caribbean waters. So that area is kind of jungly. It's flatter. It's a beach climate. I mean, it's hot. It's humid. Not extremely humid because you have, they have an onshore wind. So there's wind that's always coming, it's coming from the Caribbean, but it's blowing in your face if you're looking out to the ocean on the east coast of the country. So you get the salty air, um, you know, it's a, it's a typical beach climate that you would get if you were in Florida or something like that. Then you have the western coast, which is where I am. It's uh, San Juan del Sur. It's mainly developed on the southwestern quadrant of the country. So if you divide the country in four, north to south, east to west, a majority of the development along the Pacific side, which is the west side, occurs in the southernmost quadrant. And that's where San Juan del Sur, um, Iguana, Colorado's, Guacalito, all the developments are there. And it's more desirable, in my opinion at least, because you have an offshore wind. So in the center of the country, you have a gigantic lake. Well, normally, if you were to have mountains there, the wind that blows from the Caribbean waters would hit those mountains and just kind of die or get dispersed. But since we have a huge lake, there's nothing to stop the wind. So that wind just builds speed coming off the Caribbean. It just hits the water, the warm lake, and continues building pressure as it moves westward. So 300 days out of the year... In San Juan del Sur, if you're standing looking at the ocean, the wind would be blowing against your back, which is also called an offshore wind. And that's desirable because it fights all that salty air that would normally come in from the ocean, and it blows it back out. Once you get back out away from the coast, if you're heading west from the west coast of Nicaragua, you'll eventually see the winds turn around. But where we are on the coast, the wind's always blowing from our backs, and that keeps the humidity down. Now, when the wind flips around and you have an onshore wind, it blows up in the coast and it stops and it gets really hot and really humid. And I, I wouldn't live somewhere that had that type of weather year round because, you know, even the shade, it's brutal. Here right now, it's probably 92 outside. But if you go in the shade, it probably feels like 85, which is comfortable to me. And I'm used to it. I, I grew up in Texas. But a lot of people do come down here from Canada and they can't hang. It's, uh, it's too much for them. But once you live here long enough, you get used to it. And the third portion of the country is what's called like the north or the, the north half of the country. It's everything north of Managua. Managua's the capital. It's right almost in the dead center of the country. Maybe time it more to the west, a little bit south, but almost right in the middle of the country. So anything north of Managua is what some people refer to as the Altiplano region. And the true Altiplano is in, I believe it's like Peru or Ecuador. It's just a little section of um, mountaintops or uh, the tops of hills, not really mountains, but 
and it's up at the right elevation to where you get basically a year-round growing season. It's like an eternal spring is what a lot of people call it. Everything kind of stays green year-round. The rainfall is consistent enough to where it doesn't get brown and crunchy. Where here, we have a rainy season and a dry season. And in the rainy season, everything's green. In the dry season, things kind of get brown and crunchy. Altiplano has also become a way that people use to describe other climate zones. And so even though it originated in South America as one specific region, people will use it to describe the same type of climate, but in different locations. If I had to compare it to somewhere in the U.S., I would compare the weather to San Diego or Southern California, where, you know, L.A., where you have highs in the mid-80s and lows in the upper 60s almost year-round. And man, I love it. I love that weather, but I love the beach more. I love the ocean. So if it weren't for the sailing business and loving the ocean, loving to fish, I would be somewhere in the Altiplano region, which in Nicaragua is the northern, pretty much the northern half of the country, specifically in the center. As you get to the coast on either side, it kind of tapers off and you get coastal climates. It also occurs in several different countries throughout Central America, and it's mainly to do with just the elevation. Once you get up above sea level to a certain amount, things kind of cool off. It's not hot, it's not humid, and it's, it's awesome temperatures. I love it. But I like the beach a little bit more. He also asked about uh, pros and cons of smaller and larger cities. In my opinion, it's, it's no different than smaller and larger cities anywhere else in the world. If you need to be around the arts and museums and nice restaurants and that kind of stuff, then you obviously would want to flock to a larger city. If you like the small town living, everyone knows everyone, everything's close, there's not hardly any traffic to speak of, then you'd want to go to a smaller town. And in my opinion, San Juan del Sur is the perfect size. It's right around 15,000 people. You know, it goes up a little bit during tourist season. But for the most part, everyone knows everyone all your basic needs are here. Now, to get good medical care, you'd have to go to Managua, which is about two and a half hours away. And so if that's something that's important to you, if you need to be close to a doctor or you'd like to be close to a doctor, then I would consider that. Although I wouldn't really advise anyone to consider moving to Managua unless you have to. I, I call it Baghdad. So I won't go into too much of a description because you've all heard about it before. But that's my take on Managua. If I didn't live in San Juan del Sur... I would live in either Matagalpa or Esteli, which is in that Altiplano region. And the weather's gorgeous. People are a little bit different. They're, it's hard to explain, but they're more of like a, a country, I don't want to say backwoods, but they're just a little bit more self-sufficient. They get less support from the government. They're kind of on their own. And so is the, the Caribbean side, Bluefields. The city of Bluefields is almost declared itself autonomous from Nicaragua. They have their own little government they're still under the rule of Ortega, but they kind of do their own thing. People leave them alone. The culture there is the Caribbean, so they're, they're black people. A lot of them speak Spanish and a little bit of French. They eat different foods. They, they, they use the same money, but it's more of a, just a Caribbean culture. I have yet to go there, but I really want to go. It's my next destination here in Nicaragua. There's two islands right off the coast called the Corn Islands, and there's a big Corn Island and a little Corn Island. And to get there, the best way to go is to fly from Managua to Bluefields, and then the, the same plane goes from Bluefields to Bighorn Island, and then to go to Little Corn Island, 
you take a little small tiny boat and it's about an hour to three hour boat ride depending on the size and speed of the boat and I heard it can get rough and wet so it's it's not for the faint at heart but Little Corn Island as I think it's one mile in circumference so you could walk around the whole island and, and only walk a mile from what I hear I haven't verified that and there's also there's no cars there's no gasoline powered anything you just pretty much walk everywhere I think the power goes off at night, if I'm not mistaken, so it would be impossible to have air conditioning. That's on Little Corn. Big Corn Island, you got a couple resorts, more developed. And from what I hear, things are a little bit more expensive on the islands, but not as much as you'd find in like the British Virgin Islands and all that. There's also a cool colonial city. Well, there's two cool colonial cities, Granada which is one of the oldest cities in Central America. I think it's where the Spanish went first when they decided to conquer Mexico and everything south. And there's also Leon, which is uh, north of San Juan del Sur, not too far from the coast, and it's very similar to Granada. The only problem that I have with those two places, well, I haven't been to Leon, but I've, I've seen enough pictures and I, I've heard of the same thing from everyone. So it's a colonial city, so all the cities are built around churches and they just all the blocks are built out so there's no parks I mean there's like little tiny parks there's one big park in the middle of the city but you don't see trees there's no lawns like they build all the way to the edge of the street and then inside their little compound you have a courtyard area but as you're walking through the city all you see is buildings and houses and it gets extremely hot in Granada and I've heard the same about Lyon and I just don't, uh, it's, it's fun to go there and visit. It's cool to check it out. They have some really cool old churches. But as far as living there goes, I don't care for it. The city's much bigger than what I like. And now I have to deal with the heat. The way the city's set up, I'm just not a big fan of it. But I'd advise anyone who comes to Nicaragua to go see it for the day. It has some really cool, beautiful old churches. But I think temperature-wise, the most desirable place is definitely it's going to be in the north half of the country. And I would probably choose, if I just wanted to live outside of the city and have a little piece of property and grow coffee, something like that, I would probably choose Matagalpa or Esteli or somewhere in between there. There's also a little town called Hinotega, which I have not been to. But both Matagalpa and Esteli are really cool little towns. Quaint. Uh, they're built like in a little valley, so you can get some really cool views, especially Matagalpa. You can go outside of town a little bit, go up a hill, and you can see how the town is just built into this cool valley. So that's, those would be my picks. So my number one pick would be San Juan del Sur because I love the beach and I love the ocean. Number two would be somewhere between Matagalpa and Esteli. And then number three would be probably outside of Nicaragua and Guatemala City. I just like the city a lot. Uh, they're a lot more first world than Managua or Nicaragua. They're more organized. The weather's great, food's better, prices aren't that different, and uh, people were friendly. Lake Atitlan is also beautiful. It's another two hours northwest of Guatemala City, maybe three hours. Some of the most beautiful scenery I've seen was at Lake Atitlan. So there you have it. There's my take on the places that I visited in Central America that I would consider living so far. We had a surprise holiday on Monday. I know I've talked about it several times, but... I learned like Saturday that Monday was a holiday. 
And so it's called Dia de la Muerta, Day of the Dead. And most Latin cultures don't celebrate Halloween like the Western culture does. They, they use it as a day to honor their dead loved ones and relatives. Um, they go out, they paint the graveyard, they spruce everything up, they pull weeds. It, and it's a national holiday. People, everything's closed, banks are closed, it's all shut down. But one of the things they do is they buy flowers and they take them, and I think they put them at like the doorsteps of people that died um, that were living at the house at the time. Not necessarily died at the house, but if your grandmother was living with you and she died, then you would put a pile of flowers at the door at Dia de la Muerta. And so I think it was Sunday. It was Sunday or Monday. I was driving through town, and there's one area where all the buses stop. And these are like buses that take people to other cities throughout Nicaragua. And they're, they, we call them chicken buses. And they're old school buses from the States that they take them. And they, most of the time they repaint them. Sometimes they're yellow. And sometimes you'll see one that says, you know, John Smith ISD. It's pretty funny. I'm hoping to see like Conroe ISD one day. But near the buses, there's a big sidewalk. And it was just lined with flowers. All like, but they were grouped together. They were for sale. You could tell that they were in like buckets and people were selling them. And I thought, man, that's a ton of flowers. I don't know if they can sell all those flowers. So I didn't think anything of it. Well, then later on the day, I was driving through town. And the church, the, the, the town church is one block over from where they were selling these flowers. And so I drive down the road, passing the church. And I thought, are they selling more flowers, like one block over? And I kind of slowed down, came to a stop. And they weren't selling them. But those were, that's where they placed the flowers for, for whatever reason. I don't know, but something to do with this holiday. So they bought the flowers, and then they basically moved them one block over, and they set them down the steps leading up to this little park area in front of the church. Well, then an hour later, there was guys out there picking them all up and throwing them away. Well, I mean, I'm assuming they were thrown away. They were just, like, taking them and just throwing them in the back of a truck as fast as they could. And I'm guessing it was their attempt to clean up the park after the celebration of Day of the Dead. But it was funny to see basically this huge array of flowers, 30 or 40, 50 feet long. And it was like someone took it, moved it one block over, and an hour later, someone came and threw them all away. I kind of felt bad because I was looking at the flowers by the church, and I was like, man, that's going to be kind of cool to have this huge display of flowers to look at for the next week or so. But no, no, they were out there for about an hour or two. And they got tossed. If you're ever looking for a lawyer in Nicaragua, contact me. I might not be able to tell you who to use, but I can definitely tell you who not to use. Here's my latest lawyer experience. I want you to think about this and tell me if you think this would ever happen in the place where you live. But then again, you probably wouldn't be able to waltz into a lawyer's office wearing flip-flops, board shorts, and a tank top either. So there's always a trade-off. So this lawyer's preparing some paperwork for us to get this stupid 306 and in-tour deal we're messing with. And she calls me and she said, hey, we're going to have the papers ready sometime after 4. Can you swing by and sign them, then we'll go file them? And I said, yep, no problem. So I was in town, it was like 345, and I went ahead and stopped by. And granted, it was 15 minutes early. And I asked for the, uh, the lady that I've been working with and the receptionist said, oh, she's in the meeting. Let me go get her. And I said, no, no, no. 
that's okay. You don't have to get out of a meeting. I just came by to sign some papers, and I'm 15 minutes early anyway. But she's like, no, but that's okay. I can get her out of a meeting. And I said, no, no, really, that's not, not necessary. And I'm thinking, like, there's no way that would happen in the States. Like, let me just waltz into a meeting and grab an attorney and let them come out here and talk to you when you're 15 minutes early. So I didn't let her do it. I said, look, I'll just come back in like 20 minutes. So I came back five minutes after four. And the attorney that I'd been working with was right there. I said, hey, I need to sign those papers. And she said, oh, they're not printed yet. I, I didn't know what time you were coming. And I said, well, you told me that you're going to have them ready at four o'clock. And she goes, yeah, but then you wrote back and asked how long I would be here. I was like, right, because I needed to know the window of which I could show up and sign these said papers. And so she's like, okay, well, they're not ready. You'll have to come back. Um, I'll print them out. I'll have them ready in like 10 minutes. And I said, okay. So I leave. I go down to the the little Nakatamali stand. I buy some Nakatamalis. I come back. This time it's like it's like 20 minutes later. So she had an extra 10 minutes to get it printed. And she goes, okay, it's it's almost done. Just go ahead and have a seat. So I sit down and I wait like 10 minutes. I go, hey, what's the deal? Where's this? I gotta go. I gotta sign this and get out of here. And she said, um, I didn't know, but someone else is using the printer. So we. We're not going to be able to print it. Can you come back? And I said, no, no, I can't. I've been here three times. I'm not coming back a fourth time. I said, I'll be by on Tuesday because Monday was a holiday. So I said, I'll come by and I'll sign it. I said, have it ready. Have someone who works the desk know that I'm coming by and so I can sign it. And you don't have to come out of your office. You don't stop, stop what you're doing. I'll just sign it. She goes, okay, yeah, yeah, no problem. So I didn't make it Tuesday. Something happened. But I went by today which is Wednesday, and they walk in there, and I go to the receptionist, and I go, hey, uh, there should be some papers here for me to sign. And she kind of looked at me for about five seconds. That's a long time to stare at somebody. And then she goes, papers? <laughs> like with a question mark. And I was like, some documents from Gloria? And she goes, Gloria? <laughs> and I go, am I in the right office? <laughs> and she goes, oh, do you need to talk to Gloria? I said, Yes. So she goes and gets her and comes back, and we finally get it sorted out. But still, it's, um, it's comical the way things go. And, and I, I just laugh about it. I enjoy laughing about it. And I hope it never gets old. I hope, I hope it never becomes, well, yeah, now it's just the way it is. Because if, if that's the case, if I ever forget how things are in the States, then I'll never be able to operate at that level. And so I'm making myself get a little bit frustrated just so I can keep the ability to go back and work in the States or somewhere else one day if I need to. I went to a baseball game last night in Rivas. It was the season opener for the Gigantes de Rivas, which is the Rivas Giants. And I think there's about five or six professional baseball teams in Nicaragua. And they have a super long season, so they end up playing each other like six to eight times per season from what I understand. But anyway, some friends of mine own a little bar here in town and they put together a, a trip where they're going to rent a bus and they'll buy all the tickets, provide drinks in the bus and get everybody home. And so I said, yeah, that'll be fun. Sounds like a good deal. Well, people are notorious for running late around here. And so I figured, you know, the bus is supposed to leave at five. The game is supposed to start at six. I said, you know, we'll probably leave at like 5.15, 5.30. We'll be there at 6.15 or so, and we'll still be fine. Oh, no. If you're not at the baseball game in Rivas 30 minutes to an hour early, 
you don't sit. There's no assigned seats unless you buy a box. And next time I go back, I will buy a box. I don't think it's that much. So the stadium was built for 2,500 people to sit. And I asked the guy at the ticket counter, I said, how many people do you think are here? He said, between 4,800 and 5,000. So there were double capacity of what the stadium was built for. And we got there like 615, 620. It was at Grand Central Station at its most crowded time of the most crowded day of the year. It was like being in like a Michael Jackson concert in 1986. It was extremely hot. And they had these horns that they blow. You just blow them with your mouth, but it sounds like an air horn. And they're super cheap, so everyone buys them. And they just walk around blowing them. It sounds like a train is coming through. And they're like 50 cords, which is less than $2. And so everyone's blowing these things. It's extremely hot. And I'm just drinking as much as I can, as fast as I can, <laughs> to try to get through this. I thought about taking a taxi home, but I was there with a friend. And I don't know. It wasn't that bad. We just I got to see zero of the game. I, I literally could not see anything but the outfield because there's so many people standing between me and the field and there's bleachers and seats and all that, but there, there was only standing room. And what gets me the whole thing that I kept thinking about was that every, all the Nicaraguan people, they're perfectly okay with that. They're fine with being crowded and they're jammed in there and they're laughing. They're having a good time. They're drinking their beer, eating their street food, blowing their horns. And it, it doesn't bother them one bit. But I couldn't get over how poorly lit these staircases were that led like to the upper deck of the stadium. They're outside the stadium and there was no lights. It was pitch black on these stairs. And these stairs aren't like nice, big, deep, square, US ADA compliant stairs. These are like some stairs are shorter than other ones and some are deeper than other ones and some are slanted to the right and some are slanted to the left. And after a few beers, it's not real cute trying to get up and down those stairs. It's cute watching other people. But when it's your turn, it's not so funny. But once again, you're at your own risk. Everything you do here, at your own risk. If you fall down those stairs, it's your own fault because you weren't paying attention. And I kind of like that way better than having, no, not kind of. I like it better to not have all these rules and regulations. If you don't like it and you're scared and you think you're going to fall, don't come to the baseball game. Stay home. Let the baseball stadium decide how they want to build their stairs. But you take me to another baseball game where concessions are as cheap as they were here, and I'll high-five you. Because the beers were a dollar, and they were ice cold. And they had, like, hot quesadillas that they would, like, make in these little street vendor tables. They had all kinds of food. It was so cheap. I think I spent $7, and I had a few beers and, like, two or three little food items. And the game was okay. It was one to nothing, so it wasn't a lot of action. And I don't know for sure, but the field just seemed a little bit smaller. It seemed even smaller than college to me. It was almost like high school size. I don't know for sure. I never played baseball other than like little league. So I don't know for sure. And there's no numbers painted on the outfield walls. But it just looked a little bit smaller. One thing I did see that made me laugh was we were waiting to go up the staircase. And there's like a little half wall on the staircase. So the wall keeps you from falling off the stairs and it's like almost shoulder high, maybe a little bit lower. And I saw these two guys that were studying that wall and they were kind of pointing to the roof and talking. And I said, man, these guys are about to climb to the top of this wall. 
And I looked at him, and I smiled, and I gave him the thumbs up. And I thought to myself, these guys are about to scale that wall and get on the roof and go watch the game. I was like, oh, como Spider-Man. And they just started laughing. So sure enough, they shimmied up this wall, got up on the roof, and watched the entire game up there without paying a dime. And you got to admire their ingenuity. If you're poor and you want to watch a baseball game, you'll figure it out. That's Nicaraguan. All right, that's going to wrap up today's show. Thanks for listening. Life in Paradise podcast. I appreciate all the feedback that I've gotten recently. But like I mentioned earlier, if you know me and I don't know you, let's get to know each other. Send me an email, nikasaleandsurf at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Keep it tranquilo. Yeah.